Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. All right. Today we're going to talk about time and attention. Time and attention. I started to name this several other things, but... uh, I finally just left it here at time and attention, all right? And, and we're going to be going to 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, and let me set the stage for just a moment. Uh, you may or may not know the account of, of 1 Samuel. It is about the prophet named Samuel, okay? And Samuel's mom was named Hannah. Hannah was barren. Hannah couldn't have any children, and she was so sad. These were in the days before there was a king, In the days between Joshua and the kings, 400 years almost of the judges. During this period of time, the Ark of the Covenant was not in Jerusalem. It was in a place called Shiloh, about 30 or 40 miles north of Jerusalem, sitting up on a hill. And they had a tent. They had a tabernacle. And the priest had little houses and little tents around that that they lived in for 400 years. This was during a time of one of the last priests before the king. His name was Eli. Eli was an old man. Hannah had no children. And she was brokenhearted. She wanted children. Hannah went to Shiloh because every year you went there to worship. And her family was having fun and worshiping, and, and, and yet Hannah was brokenhearted. And one night, Hannah was out praying. She was just praying, oh, God, I want a, I want a child. I want a son. Give me a son, God. If you just give me a son, I'd give him back to you. I'd dedicate him to you. Well, She was praying, but she wasn't praying out loud. She was mumbling and just moving her lips. The old priest, Eli, looked at her and saw her in the darkness, and she was mumbling and moving her lips and, uh, you know, kneeling down probably and and, and, uh, had her head down, and he thought she was drunk. So the old priest went over and got on to her and corrected her and said, you know, you shouldn't be drunk. This is the house of God. This is a holy place. You should be here worshiping God. What are you doing just drunk? And she turned and said, look, buddy, I'm not drunk. I'm brokenhearted. I'm praying that God would give me a son. I'm barren. And the old priest felt so bad. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I'll tell you what, God bless you. God give you a son. God's going to give you a son. He's going to give you a son. And sure enough, she got pregnant that year and had a son. And she raised this son on purpose. She knew that God had given her that son, she knew he was special as every child is. And she knew that child had a purpose. And so she raised that child according to her commitment and according to his purpose, knowing that he was destined to serve God in the house of the Lord. And so she watched everything she said and everything she did. You can read the whole account in the first and second chapters of of 1 Samuel. By the time we get to chapter 3, Samuel is now maybe 8 years old, 9, 10, maybe 11, maybe up to 12, somewhere right in that area. But the Bible says he was weaned. 
And when he was weaned, she remembered her commitment to lend him to the Lord. And so she took her child Samuel to the priest Eli and said that I am the woman that you prayed for a long time ago. You thought I was drunk and this is the child God gave me. And I said I would lend him to the Lord all the days of his life. And so she dedicated him to God and left him with the priest Eli so that he could serve the priest and serve in the house of God as a minister in training, as a servant. And so we pick up here in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, while we go through this, I'll make some commentary. We'll read a few verses. I'll make a little commentary. But there are two things I want you to hold in your mind as we go through these few verses. The first thing I want you to realize is that the story of Samuel was not written just to preserve a historical account. This story, like all the other stories in the Bible, are a roadmap and not just a record. We will all see ourselves. You will be able to see yourself. We will all be able to see ourselves somewhere in this account today. So your goal while I am talking, I will say a lot of things. Your goal is to find one or two things so that you can see yourself in some, as, as, as one of the characters in some moment, in some event. See if you can find yourself in this account somewhere. And number two, as is always the case when we hear the Word of God, every time you hear preaching or teaching or a song, whatever else it is, realize that God is not talking about your best friend or your worst enemy. God is talking about you, okay? This is for you. So continue to ask yourself the question, how does this apply to me? Not how does this apply to somebody else? And then ask yourself, what should I do about it, okay? Find yourself in the story. Ask yourself the question, how does this apply to me? And what should I do about it? Okay? All right. You got that? Let's begin. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Then the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. What does this mean? Well, uh, it means that there were no prophets. There was no great revelation. There was, there, there was nothing being really said. This was in a time that, that there was not a lot of open revelation. People weren't hearing from God. They weren't hearing the voice of God. It was, a, it, it was rare for somebody to say, God spoke to me. God said something to me. Very rare in these days. But also it says that Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. This means that Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the house of the Lord. He was ministering. What does that word minister mean? What does this mean? Well, I've, I've researched and studied this week. This concept of ministry is a concept of service. He was serving the Lord by serving the house of God and serving the priest of God. That's what he was doing. It didn't mean he was preaching and teaching. He wasn't, okay? Eli had two older sons that took care of all the preaching and teaching. They took care of all the sacrifices, and they took care of all the offerings, and they took care of all the, all the counseling. You know, uh, here, Samuel is probably about 12 years old at this point, and he is 
serving. What does serving mean? That means he's, uh, you know, opening the doors of the tabernacle every morning and, and you know, uh, you know uh, pulling up the curtains and he's waking up the old priest and he's helping the priest get ready for, 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 for his ministry that day. It means that, you know, uh, he was putting out and extinguishing the night lamps that had been on to keep people from tripping over stuff. He was serving in the house of God. Maybe he was allowed to attend morning prayers, probably made to attend morning prayers. But then in ministering in the house of the Lord, he was cleaning up afterwards. He was sweeping the floors of the tabernacle and he was, uh, you know, uh, 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 taking out the trash and he was filling up the buckets of coal for the altars and filling up the buckets of water for the laver and, and he was filling up the horns of oil for the ministry. Somebody had to do this. This was a young minister's in training position. It was a position for somebody who was called to serve in the house of the Lord and, and that's what Samuel was given to. You know, uh, no doubt he was uh, helping with uh, you know, baking or making the showbread and, and putting out this holy bread on the table of the Lord and, and taking that from yesterday and properly disposing of it and, uh, you know, welcoming visitors and guests who came to the tabernacle. Maybe he went to noontime prayers and he served and assisted this old priest, Eli, during his daily duties. He also attended services, no doubt. They had several services and several rituals that they had to perform each day, each week, each month, each year. Perhaps he even played a musical instrument, you know, maybe a harp or a lyre or, or, or cymbals. Maybe he helped singing praises. You know, somebody has to, you know, uh, singing in the services. Uh, you know, then... You know, filling and lighting the lamps each evening, they had to be filled with oil and the lamps had to be relit because they would burn all night long till about six o'clock in the morning. And then there were evening prayers and then there was cleaning up after the day's sacrifice. You know, somebody has to wash all that blood off and clean up, take off the other parts that weren't desired. Somebody had, I mean, somebody, somebody has to clean this church. You know? Then he closed the doors. He locked up for the night and he uh, went to sleep in a little room or a little tent that was open close to Eli's tent in case Eli needed anything because he was Eli's servant. Well, Samuel, if we looked at what his ministry to the Lord was, Samuel was an usher, a greeter, a singer, a musician, janitor, night watchman, altar boy. He was a maintenance man, a babysitter, an all-around servant in the house of God. That's what Samuel was. That's what positioned Samuel for what God had called Samuel to do. He was born to serve the Lord. And that's what service looks like. Verse 2, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Now what this literally means is that Eli was old. This priest was old. And also the Bible tells us he was very large. And his eyes had grown really dim, and he could not see very well. And when it came time for him to go to bed, he was laying down. And at one night when Eli was laying down and he couldn't see very well, so he had to be watched over and cared for, he needed somebody to help him. Verse 3, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, now, you know, somewhere before daylight, you know, probably two or three o'clock in the morning, somewhere right in there, okay? It was too early to get up. While Samuel was also lying down, Samuel and Eli were asleep. 
The Bible says in verse 4 that the Lord called Samuel and Samuel answered, here I am. Now, as I said, this was evidently very early in the morning and Samuel heard a voice, but he did not know it was the Lord. It was the voice of the Lord, but he did not know it. He, he didn't know what the voice of the Lord sounded like. But God had spoken to him in his nighttime. Verse 5, so Samuel got up and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And Eli said to him, I did not call you. Lie down again. You know, it's not time to get up. You, you know. And so Samuel went back and he laid down again. Now, it was reasonable for Samuel to imagine Eli calling him because Eli was the only, I mean, he, he was right there and Eli was old and he was large and he was, you know, couldn't see very well and it's in the middle of the nighttime. Maybe he needed to go up and go to the restroom, wanted to drink water, you know, whatever. And, and here, of, of course, he calls out for his servant. Well, Samuel lays back down. Eli goes back to sleep in verse 6. Then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call for me. And Eli answered and said, I did not call uh, my son. Go back and lay back down again. It's, it's, look, it's too early. Quit bothering me. Now, verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. I think that is very interesting. You see, here he is serving in the house of God and serving the priest. And he's given to this. He's called to this. He was born for this. And he's been around the things of God. And he knows so much about God, but he does not know him personally. Is it possible to be in church and to spend your life in church, spend your life even in service, and to know so much about God, but not know him personally? Yes, it is. It is possible to be around the things of God and to be in church all your life and never know him. You can know about him, but not know him. There is a difference. Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. You see, when, when we are not born again, the word of the Lord is not revealed to us. That's why we cannot debate or argue with someone who is not saved. Someone who is not saved needs to get saved so they can understand the Word of God. But people who come to you who do not know God and want to question you about God's integrity, about God's intent, about why would he send somebody to hell, about why does he let people be sick, and, and what's going to happen at the end time and everything else, look, there's no way they can understand that. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. They cannot be naturally understood. And there's no reason trying to explain to someone in their natural understanding a spiritual truth that has to be caught, not taught. There was no, uh, you know, Samuel did not know the Lord, and so he had no personal revelation. When he heard the word of God, it really didn't mean anything to him. He had no life in him that brought revelation when the word of God was spoken or when the voice of God was heard. You know, we can be all around the word of God constantly and it not make one bit of difference to our lives. If we don't receive the Spirit of God, whereby we have revelation and understanding as to what God is saying. We can know what he has said and what he has done, but the church is not a place. It's not a refrigerator uh, where, where we 
preserve the things God did and where we educate ourselves on all that God did. The church is an incubator to hatch the thing God wants to do. We should be serving the, the now God, the God that, is, that the, not just the God we know about what he did, but the God we know about what he wants to do and reaching out and, and letting life be vital and critical and, and every day seeing the new revelation and hearing the new thing that God is doing in our midst. And Samuel was void of all of that. Verse 8. Samuel was laying back down again. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Then Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Now he's getting a little bit frustrated with Eli. <laughs> you know, listen, old man. This is the third time. Now, I was nice the first two times, but I want you to know, yes, you did. You did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, because I am listening. I'm listening with a different ear. I'm listening now to a different voice. I'm listening to that which is beyond my natural capacity to understand or grasp or comprehend. Lord, I have turned on something in my life. I am told that you are the one calling me and my ears are open. Speak to me, Lord. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. You see, acknowledging God, acknowledging the call of God on your life, and acknowledging the voice of God in your life is critical to understanding what God wants you to do. That old priest Eli, he was not in favor with God, neither were his sons. In fact, God was about to kill them all. God had told Eli, there's never going to be an old man in your house ever again. You guys have so disappointed me. You're in disfavor. I am no longer putting up with you. Listen, Eli and his family were not in favor with God, but yet God used him. God used him to give counsel. God used him to raise this boy. God used him. Do you know God is not afraid of sinners? That's what I texted pastors this morning around the nation. God is not afraid of sinners, nor should we be. Reach out into a world that's lost and hurting and let your light shine. Your light is designed to shine in darkness and not just shine among the lights. Samuel was not in a family that honored the Lord because they did not. They were stealing and cheating and lying and they were coercing. They were occupying a position that they did not deserve. But yet God still was willing to speak to Samuel even in the midst. You know, you may be in a job situation, in a family situation. You may be in some relationship somewhere and it may not be the best. It may not be the most godly. It may not be, I mean, it, you might be connected with sinners at your workplace or at school. But that does not mean that God cannot still reach you and speak to you right where you are are God calls us out of darkness if he were not willing to reach into the darkness we would never be saved 
Acknowledging the Lord and his call in our life and his voice in the nighttime is critical. Job 33 tells us that God is always speaking to us, but we are not listening. But if we would just calm ourselves and get to a place where we are resting while we slumber upon our beds, the Bible says God will open our ears and seal our instructions. It's always good advice to listen to the Lord, to wait on the Lord, to sleep on it. Verse 10, as Samuel is laying back down now, he knows what he's going to say. And the Bible says, now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. I wonder how many times the Lord had come and stood by Samuel and called his name. How many times did God come and stand by your side and call your name before you heard him? Before you answered, before you gave him your attention. How many people today that we love and we care about and they're living in darkness, they're in sin, they're away from God, they need help. How many of them is God standing beside daytime and nighttime calling out their name to them and if they would just and they will turn to him and give him time and attention, they can understand and hear his voice and the revelation of the word of God will give them life and joy and peace and eternal satisfaction. God stands and calls our name. He had stood at so many times. And now the Bible says the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Samuel, Samuel. And this time Samuel did something different. He didn't jump and run. He didn't think he was something else. He wasn't worried about his job, his security, or his business. He just stayed right where he could hear from God in the peace and the quietness of the moment. And he said... Speak, for your servant is listening. Speak, for your servant hears your call. I'm telling you, God is knocking at doors today. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's calling out your name. Perhaps there's something you need and some moments, some relationships, some help, some worry, some fear, some frustration, some sickness, disease, then you just need his word. You may be in a difficult situation. God has not left you without witness. God is with you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He's standing by your children. He's standing by your children's children. He will not forsake them. He will not let them go. He will, you, you do not have to worry. You do not have to wonder if God is going to show up. He is here, and he's calling out the names of our loved ones. He's calling out their names, and if they would but just give him time. You see, Eli gave some of the best counsel. When you feel God, when you hear him, when you think he's speaking to you, just stop. Give him your attention. He has something he wants to say to you. Verse 11 says, then the Lord said, and it begins to tell us what God wanted Samuel to know. You see, as I said, Eli and his sons were in disfavor with God. Yet Samuel was called by God to serve them anyway. You may be in a situation that you don't like, but if God has placed you in that situation, serve in that situation. God is able to secure you even in a bad moment. Amen. 
He will use people who are not right to help those who are. He's not afraid of sinners. Nonetheless, God waited to speak to Samuel until Samuel was ready to listen. Are you ready to listen to God? When you're ready, he will speak. If he can speak through a donkey, and he did in Numbers 22 to Balaam, then he certainly can speak through you. If he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through your friends, your family, maybe even your enemies. Never discount how much God is trying to get through to help people all around us. Uh, the things that I took from the account today. Number one is if you want to be great in God's kingdom, uh, you have to be the servant of all. Not just serving the right and the righteous, but you know, we are called to serve sinners. Hello. That's our real ministry, by the way. Jesus said, I didn't come to call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. I came to seek and to save the lost. He said, go into all the world, highways and byways and hedges and look, look everywhere. We are called to serve sinners. Don't be afraid of sinners. <laughs> okay. Serve. If you're faithful in that which belongs to another man, God will give you that which is your own. Our light is meant to shine in darkness, not just among more lights. I know you have your, you know, three best Christian friends and your five best, you know, uh, buddies that you run with. And that's good. You should draw strength from them. But where is it that you're reaching out into a lost and a hurting world? Where is it that your light is shining in someone else's darkness? Number two, knowing about God and knowing God are two different things. I like what John Osteen said. He said, sitting in church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in the garage will make you a car. It's the truth. Every person must have a personal relationship with Jesus. We must know him and not just know about him. Make sure you know him and you don't just know about him. And number three, God does not have a problem speaking. It is we who have a problem listening. If you will give God your time and your attention, you will hear his voice. And remember, this word applies to you today. Where do you see yourself in this word? In all the things I've said today, where do you see yourself? Do you know him or do you just know about him? If you will give him your time and your attention, you will hear his voice. I'll leave this last word of encouragement with you. If you do not have a place where you meet with God, then find a place. It might be in your car. It might be in your bedroom. It might be in a closet. It might be out in the woods somewhere. But find a place where you can get quiet and get with God. Give him your time and your attention. He's been calling your name. When is the last time that you heard a word from God? Perhaps that's been too long.